Welcome to the Full Fact Podcast, where we fight bad information one fact at a time. I'm Alexis Conran, and in this episode, we are going to be taking a closer look at the new government lockdown rules. We're also going to be unpicking this week's squabble between Sakir Starmer and the Prime Minister that happened at PMQs on Wednesday. But first, we're going to be looking at a claim that the Health Secretary made about a poll on measuring the potential uptake of a coronavirus tracking app. I'm joined by Full Fact Deputy Editor Claire Milne. Claire, what have you found? Yes, so this was a claim that we've looked at in the last week where the health secretary said that 80% of people on the Isle of Wight wanted to download this app. That may be the case, but what he was actually referring to was a Facebook poll that was done by Isle of Wight Radio. And we, we can't really rely on these kind of Facebook polls where anyone can answer them to tell us anything really useful and meaningful about how people might behave, what they think and what they, what they want to do. Um, so 79% of people responded to this Facebook poll and said they would download the app. That is correct. But as I've said, there are issues with that. We can't know whether or not this, this poll was representative. It may be that people who didn't live on the Isle of Wight took part in the poll. So anybody who might have seen it shared on Facebook could have just submitted an answer and, and taken part. So we can't know if it was representative of people on the Isle of Wight. It is probably more influenced by people who already have a Facebook account who would have seen it. So it's more heavily weighted towards people who are going to perhaps have a, a phone that they can download the app on rather than people who maybe won't have a smartphone and of course then can't download the app. So there's lots of different problems there that mean that we can't rely on this poll to tell us anything useful about how many people are going to download this app and use it in the trial. Is that more of a general problem that we're having at the moment? Everybody wants to know the mood of the country, but actually getting a poll that is reliable and accurate, it's very difficult. And of course, you know, anyone could do a poll now. You could do one on Facebook, you could do one on Twitter really easily. A lot of people are saying, well, actually, on Twitter, if you can uh, retweet it for a larger sample, then that perhaps makes it more accurate. Is that the case with polls? It's not the case that when it comes to polls, bigger is always better. Sample sizes are usually good when there are around 2,000 people taking part in a poll, and they'll have a much lower margin of error than, for example, a, a poll of perhaps 1,000 people. But a survey of 20,000 people might have a similar margin of error to, to a poll of 10,000 people. So as you're scaling up and getting in bigger and bigger, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's going to get more accurate. How the poll is carried out really is important. So there are a lot of polling companies that, that do this for a living, that do this professionally and, and put a lot of work and effort into trying to make sure that their poll is accurate, that it's representing the group of people that they're trying to get the opinion of. So they'll, they'll weight the poll to make sure that it represents the different groups that make up that population and make sure that they're getting similar types of people there. Let's move to one of the next subjects you've been looking into, your favourite it again uh, posts on facebook yay now a post uh, has appeared on facebook that is saying that uk laws were changed on the 27th of april and all of our human rights have been stripped away what the post went on to say is that the control of diseases act was changed it says you'll be forcibly vaccinated by a doctor you can be detained, your belongings can be seized, and even asking what's in the vaccine before having it is now classed as an offence. So let's unpick it, because I know you've been looking into it. Uh, was the Control of Diseases Act in the UK changed at the end of April? So the first thing to say with this is 
no, the Control of Diseases Act was not changed on the 27th of April, um, as was suggested by this post. The last time that legislation actually was changed at all was on the 25th of March to just update a few things to bring it in line with the new coronavirus legislation that's been brought into place. And that was a, a very small change that wasn't anything to do with, with vaccinations or treatments. Um, and, and that is probably the main thing actually to say about this post is, is that that claim about it now being possible to be forcibly vaccinated is not true at all. The The Control of Diseases Act, the legislation that it's referring to, actually explicitly says that you cannot be forced to have medical treatment, and that includes a vaccine. So you can't be forced to, to, to be vaccinated as a result of this legislation. So where did the confusion come from? Is, is this, again, is this sort of uh, from a pool of anti-vaxxers information spreading on Facebook? And why did someone get the wrong end of the stick and think that this has just been recently updated? So what we think happened is that when you, when you look at the legislation online, there is a, a box at the top that refers to changes to legislation and basically has a, has a date there that tells you when the the website could last guarantee that the legislation was completely up to date they they check it every so often make sure that that any changes from from any other laws or any other relevant legislation have been been put in place so that what you're looking at is the the most up to date possible version of that legislation you can so it tells you when it can last guarantee that happened and what we think happened that is that when this this claim started um the the, the first person to look at, at the legislation and, and begin this claim saw that it said that it was up to date as of the 27th of April and that led to confusion that it had been updated on that day rather than it was ah, up to date as of that day. I see. Okay, let's move on to the next thing you've been looking into, which has to do with PMQs that took place this Wednesday. So Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson had a uh, bit of a disagreement regarding to people in care homes. Tell us what the claim was and tell us why there's a bit of a squabble now. Keir Starmer, in his, in his questions to the Prime Minister, said that earlier this year, until the 12th of March, in fact, the government's own official advice, um, and he then went on to quote from it, said that it remains very unlikely that people receiving care in a care home will become infected uh, with, with the new coronavirus. And Boris Johnson, when he was responding to Mr Starmer's questions, then said it wasn't true that the advice said that. So we took a look. We went back to the advice and, and saw what exactly it said. So this advice did exist. It was withdrawn on the 13th of March and replaced with new guidance. So it said that this guidance is intended for the, the current position in the UK. So that was that was back in March, where there is currently no transmission of COVID-19 in the community. And it is therefore very unlikely that anyone receiving care in a care home or the community will, will become infected. Um, and then it, it went on to, to say something very similar again when talking about face masks and saying that face masks were only recommended to be worn by, by infected individuals. Um, and it said that it remains very unlikely that people receiving care in a care home or the community will become infected. So, so that was exactly what the, the guidance said, this guidance that was withdrawn back on, on the 13th of March. Following PMQs, we saw Mr. Starmer write to Mr. Johnson asking him to, to correct the record in the House of Commons. Mr. Johnson then responded and he said that uh, Mr. Starmer, he felt, had actually quoted it selectively and misleadingly uh, and didn't provide critical context at the start of the guidance by missing out that first section where it said that this was for the current position 
in the UK where there is currently no transmission of, of COVID-19 in the community. So the Prime Minister said that he stood by his, his earlier comments. Well, I'm sure that's not the last we'll hear from it. Uh, I'm sure that's something that's going to be brought up perhaps in next Prime Minister's question time, if not sooner. Let's move on to our main story in this podcast, which is uh, looking at the lockdown guidelines uh, that the government put out this week. Now, I'm joined by fact checker Pippa Allen Kinross. Uh, Pippa, welcome. Hi, thank you. You've been trawling through this advice. What is it? Is it 50 pages, 60 pages? There's a lot of it. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of it. It's uh, It's been a busy week for fact checkers. I think that's fair to say. One of the new lockdown rules that seems to have caused a little bit of confusion is how many parents can you see at once? Uh, now, Dominic Raab uh, was on the Today programme and he was asked directly if you can meet both your parents at the same time. And he responded, you could if they're two metres apart. Is that right? He did respond saying that, but no, that, that isn't right. That isn't what the guidance says. You can see one person outside of your household if they're two metres away. And technically speaking, you could see, you know, your mum in the morning two metres away and your dad in the afternoon, two metres away. But but you can't see them both at the same time. And it has to be in a park. Um, you can't go to the house. You have to meet them outside. Now, I know that you've been inundated with these questions uh, with the new lockdown rules. Is what counts as essential travel during the lockdown? Now, everything has been updated with, with the latest rules. So let's go through some of what does count as essential travel and what doesn't qualify as essential travel. Although they have lifted some of the restrictions on what you can do outside, the, the government advice is still stay at home as much as you can. The things that have changed, though, um, I mean, I think probably for most people, the, the biggest things is that you, uh, as we have just said, you can meet uh, with one person from outside of your household. But the, the restrictions on exercising outdoors have now been lifted, as long as you're still following social distancing guidelines. But it means that you can go and play tennis um, or golf, you know, go for a picnic or sunbathe if you want outside in England, which is a big change from what was happening before. Now, what's reading in, in your brilliantly written article, something to remind people of, you should not be sharing a car with anyone you don't live with, which I think is something that people will have wondered about. Yeah, so that, that guidance, uh, that was in place uh, before that hasn't changed in the same sense as uh, the government is still urging people to avoid public transport if you can as well um, it, I think it all comes down to this idea of keeping a distance from people who are not in your household as much as you possibly can. Now government has am I right in thinking changed some of the rules regarding social events even though we still don't have uh, weddings baptisms but when it comes to funerals they can be attended by immediate family and now, if none of these are able to go, friends can attend, of course, at, at all times, maintaining social distancing. Is that right? Um, that is right. That also, uh, that isn't a new change, unfortunately. Oh, for God's sorry, sake. The maybe doesn't make it. Maybe we should focus. We're making a meal of this. Um, so, so what is new then? So... <laughs> Um, one of uh, obviously the outdoor stuff is new. Um, there's also the fact you can go for day trips now, which is new. Previously, you weren't supposed to travel to an outdoor space if you wanted to do something outdoors. Um, but they're now saying that you can travel um, anywhere regardless of the distance, as long as you're not travelling with someone from outside of your household. The government's also recommended that you do check that anywhere you are travelling to, like a national park, is open and accepting visitors before you try and go there. 
this was the first time we've had sort of new guidance in the UK where uh, the different nations didn't follow suit. So, for example, Scotland are sticking with the stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. Wales as well doesn't seem to be wanting to change the rules as much as England has. Some claims that, for example, things in Wales are very, very different. This comes from a Facebook post that received over 10,000 shares. And it says in Wales, you cannot sit in a park bench. In Wales, you cannot drive to your place of exercise. In Wales, you can exercise near your home more than once a day if you wish, but only with members of your own households. Uh, And also in Wales, you cannot use your car to visit places other than shopping for essentials, helping someone who's shielding or going to work. So are there big differences between the lockdown rules, the new lockdown rules in England and Wales? Well, so the the Institute for Government has, uh, they've talked about this and they've um, kind of explained that the UK government, can only change the lockdown regulations in England. So it's up to the respective uh, devolved governments in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland if they want to change their own rules, which is why, as you say, you know, things are slightly different across the UK. This Facebook post, what it says is mostly correct, we found. Some of the guidance has changed slightly since it was published. But for example, although Wales has made some minor adjustments to its lockdown, it is still stricter than it is in England. Um, For example, you know, you can only exercise with members of your household still, as we said, you know, in England, you can have one person from another household if you're socially distancing. So, Pippo, it's fair to say that there are some slight differences then in the rules in Wales and the rules in England for the time being. Yeah, for the time being, things are slightly different. And if you're in Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland, it's it's worth making sure that you're you're following the correct advice for the country that you live in. Excellent stuff. Pippa, thank you so much. That's uh, Pippa Alan Kinross, who's a fact checker here at Full Fact. Of course, you can find all these articles at uh, fullfact.org. Now, it is the last part of the podcast, actually my favourite part, which is Ask Full Fact. This is where you send in your questions and we do our best to answer them. When I say we, I have very little to do with answering them. I just facilitate this bit, uh, but I do love it. Now, Claire's back. Uh, Claire, uh, let's kick off with one that's uh, come in quite a lot, I believe, which is uh, the question is, can I move house with the new lockdown rules? What, what have we found out about moving house? Yes, yeah, so we got sent lots of different questions about this. Some of them were, were incredibly specific and we weren't, we weren't able to answer them all, but hopefully with um, providing more information on, on generally what the guidance says, that that's, that's helpful to people. So the first thing is worth saying is that there are circumstances where it's recommended that you're, you shouldn't leave your home at all. For example, if you are self-isolating, um, if you're in that, that shielding group of, of people who are extremely clinically vulnerable, um, we spoke about that on the podcast the other week so those people they shouldn't be leaving their home at all for everyone else it's it's generally more that you you cannot leave your home to stay at another home for example if you're going to go on holiday or visit a second home there are circumstances though where there are exceptions to this rule to escape the risk of of harm or provide care to a vulnerable person if you need to leave your home to do that and if you are a student who so far um, during lockdown has been living in your halls of residence you can now move back home and live with your parents and that's perfectly allowed children under 18 as well if if your parents live in, in separate homes, that child can be moved between those homes. That's that's within the rules. 
uh, that is that is allowed at the moment. Okay, let's move to our last question. And again, I think this one was a question we got a lot. But this concerns schools and children. We're looking at bringing schools back in attendance, especially the primary years from the 1st of June. And the claim is that a study has concluded there have been no cases of children transmitting the new coronavirus. It appeared in the Mirror on the 29th of April 2020. No single case of a child passing coronavirus to adult exists, a study claims. Is that, can this possibly be true? So that's not actually what was concluded by by the study that, that this uh, the story in the Mirror and quite a number of news outlets covered, actually. And we've got lots of questions about it. That's not actually what that study was referring to. It was actually a review of, of lots of existing research rather than, than a new piece of research um, that, that was looking at this specific question. Um, it was carried out by a panel of doctors in collaboration with the Royal College of Paediatricians and, and Child Health. And it wasn't actually specifically trying to find cases of children, um, in this case under the age of 10, who'd, who'd passed on the new coronavirus to adults. Um, if you read some of the media reports, you might think that that was exactly what it was trying to look at. And that was the only thing that it was looking at, which is, is not the case at all. As I say, it was, it was more a review um, of, of the wider research, uh, looking at the, the various research that's been done into COVID-19 and children in, in particular. So basically what the Royal College of Paediatricians said after these various news reports came out, Royal College of Paediatricians and Child Health, they said that the news reports incorrectly suggested that children cannot transmit COVID-19. They said that's not their position, um, nor nor is it based on the evidence. Um, what the review did conclude was that the role of children in passing the disease onto others is, is unknown at this point. So it's it's something that I, I'm sure lots of people will be studying and looking into in more depth. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, a lot of teachers will be very, very interested uh, to know the uh, outcome of all these reports. But as you say, it's still early days. I know it feels like we've been in lockdown for what seems like an eternity, but it's still in the life of a coronavirus, a, a novel coronavirus, a new one. It's still we're very, very early days. Claire, thank you. As always, pleasure to go through the, all these uh, fact-finding missions with you. So thank you. That's uh, Claire Milne, Deputy Editor at Full Fact. And that is our podcast for this week. Thank you for listening to the Full Fact podcast. You can find previous episodes Episodes and any future ones on Acast, iTunes, Spotify and anywhere else you can think of. Please be sure to subscribe and the latest episode will be ready on your device every Friday morning because facts is what we need right now. <laughs>